2: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: You're listening to After Hours with Amy
4: Lawrence. I'm actually collecting cities that hate me, like notches on my belt. I'm really damn good at it. It just happens. I don't even need to try. It's my winning personality, my charisma, if you must know. When I'm wearing my full body armor, you're actually going to end up hurting your hand. So I wouldn't even try to make the radio host your punching bag. She said... I'm not your punching
3: bag. I'm not your punching bag. This is After Hours I'm with Amy Lawrence.
4: It's just the privilege of a sports talk radio host that we are the ones very often that draw the ire of the fans. I've given up saying don't shoot the messenger because whatever. It means you're engaged. It means you're listening. So I'll take it. Bring it. Let's go. Bring it on. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Good morning to you. Happy Friday. (laughs) Uh, I know that was not a, a sound you want to wake up to, but happy Friday to you. If you are blessed enough to have it be a payday Friday, well, uh, us too. Thumbs up from Carlos. Actually, I think he's dancing. He's going to jig in there. So Carlos filling in for producer Jay, who needed the night and the morning off for some personal reasons. And so we've got Carlos with us. And yes, payday appeals to both of us. The entire crew, all two of us. We are live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Do you need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. Can I interest you in any other game besides Bills and Chiefs being the game of the week? Because it's that time of the week again. We've got the NFL slate on tap. I worked on this poll so many times, I don't know what was happening. I first got one thing wrong, then I got something else wrong, then I completely screwed up something else and had, I'm not joking, I posted this puppy five times, Uh, and, and now I see another mistake on it. Oh, not a mistake, just, it's a style error, a stylistic error, if you will, and it's annoying me because I'm anal retentive and a perfectionist. I'm in the wrong business, actually, to be a perfectionist and be anal retentive wrong place to be had to learn that a long time ago anyway there's a there's a stylistic error that's annoying me it's it's eating at me but I'm not going to take the poll down because at least I didn't spell anything wrong I put the right time on it so blah 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 see if you can find it (laughs) on my Twitter a law radio or it's pinned to the top of our show Twitter after our CBS You're also blowing it up on our Facebook page. And while you're doing it, telling me all of the reasons that I'm wrong, which is, as I say, so fine with me because that makes it a fighting football Friday, baby. There didn't seem to be a whole lot of fight on the field in Chicago on Thursday night, but (laughs) you know what dawned on me? The last two nights that we had Thursday night football in prime, so week five, week six, the winner, 12 points. Oi. Admit it. You still watched it even though you knew it was going to be. <laughs> a win is a win, is a win is a win. But it's also true that not all wins are created equal. It's also true that you can win when your offense stinks. Or you can win when you only score one touchdown. Or you can win when you score no touchdowns. And actually the Bears had the opportunity one time they scored last night and still had the opportunity at the end. Instead, the Commanders end their winning streak. Or, oh, gosh. Go, see what I mean? There goes the perfect hour. They end their losing streak with four wins. Oh, okay. I'm just going to stop talking about the Commanders. This is, it's all gone horribly wrong. Uh, they get the win. They end their losing skid at four. I don't know why I make things so complicated. Uh, and so at least there's that. But, man, it's been a tumultuous week for the Commanders, and I'm not even referring to what's happening on the field. I will say this. Three trips inside the five-yard line for the Bears, zero points, as in the big goose egg. And I, I don't know if it's the goose that landed on the field at Dodger Stadium uh, for game number two. I've watched that video so many times, that poor thing was terrified. I don't think it was that goose. It's just its a goose egg.
3: Fields on our center, Ekumenia, St. Brown, right of the formation, snap, take, fakes the end around, now he's going to throw to a wide open grip oh. and he couldn't reach him, out of his hands, out of the reach of his hands. On the blue NFC logo on the right corner of the end zone. It's third and four. What I like about the play, there's two fake handoffs that completely confuse the defenders. That's why that tight end was so wide open, and that's usually a throw that Justin easily makes. Equal St. Brown to the right, Pedersen motion, takes turns, gives Khalil Herbert. Dives, and the Washington Commanders... Say they've turned them away, yeah. and that's exactly what has happened. The runner is short of the goal line. Didn't get in. Two trips inside the 10, and no points for the Bears.
4: An interception in the first quarter on a ball that was tipped up in the air and was corralled then by a commander. And Khalil Herbert, stuffed. The second time they got inside the five-yard line, actually he was stuffed up close. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer on Bears Radio. I do appreciate Tom trying to find the positive in it. He's right. The tight end was wide open, and Justin just barely missed him. Justin was taking a beating in this game. Five sacks, a dozen quarterback hits in addition to those sacks and the interception I mentioned. But get this. You wouldn't believe this if you didn't watch the game and I was just spitting out stats at you, telling you the numbers, telling you the fact that they only had one TD. They had nearly 400 yards of total offense and 238 rushing yards. The Bears rushed for 238 yards. Man, it's a shame to waste that. But that's what happens when you go up and down the field and then you're 0 for 3 in the red zone. And there were other mistakes too. Other mistakes that lead to prime opportunities for the Washington Commanders.
1: Wade gets this one off. Bayless Jones driven all the way back to his nine yard like fell down left the punt, and he oh he got it back I think he got it back Christian Holmes is in a tussle with him at the six-yard line Washington had a golden opportunity to get a fumble at the eight and now Cameron Cheeseman is pointing the way oh, to Washington got it. Yes, Washington. it's has a turnover. It. Oh, there was a scrub under that pile Bayless Jones drops the punt, and Washington has the ball at the 6. Second and goal here. Two tight ends both move in motion to the right side of the line. Robinson standing next to Wentz at the 6-yard line. Now here comes Curtis Samuel. Hand off Robinson, up the middle of the line. Heading towards the goal
4: line, and in! Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! The first career rushing touchdown for Brian Robinson, Jr. Well, and that's the highlight for the Commanders. Amazing. We're going to hear from Brian. If you don't remember or you don't know, uh, the rookie for the Washington Commanders was away from the team for about a month and a half. Recovering from two gunshots to the leg. And man, does that not only change your own perspective on what matters and football and what you get to do for a living, what you get to do for a living, but it also changes the perspective of the people around you uh, who kind of think about how this could have been a whole lot worse. That's Bram Weinstein and company on Commander's Radio. And so there was a muffed punt in there as well that led to a short field and a Brian Robinson touchdown (laughs) And still, still, there were opportunities late in this game. I mean, that's the part that blows me away. You have to try, try to go 0-3 from inside the five-yard line. It does not come naturally or easily. And yet, the Bears pulled it
3: off. Slide (laughs) awaits the snap. It's down. The kick is up from 48 yards. The kick is no good! Bears have decent field position to start what they hope can be a game-winning drive. Bears left to right, shotgun again. Snap is back. Field with a shoulder shrug. Now going to leave the pocket room to run if he wanted to. Slows down to the 45, cuts up field, hits the gas 30, 20, 15, 10, and down of bounds. Inside the 10-yard line, Justin Fields. On a Fields trip to the 5 with 52 seconds to go. Montgomery the long back they put Fields under center. Takes the snap. Gonna stand in the pocket. Throws right front side of the end zone. Darnell Mooney. The catch. Darnell Mooney. There's no indication. Discussion underway. No call made. as he shoved out of bounds? Does he have the catch? Did he hit the pylon? Which is it? Hands on hips. With 30 seconds to go. Is a catch short of the goal line. The runner ball the ball. First down, Washington. Turned away in Chicago.
4: And once again, Jeff Jodiak, and you can hear it right there. That's That essentially is the byline for the entire game. Turned away in Chicago. But, man, there was a dynamic run for Justin Fields in there. He ends up with nearly 90 yards rushing. So almost 300 yards of total offense But got beat up and a lot of moments where he had to take a breath. And we saw him doing yoga breathing on the sidelines. So an interception in the first quarter inside the five-yard line. Justin, oh, Justin. Khalil Herbert gets stuffed in the second quarter. And then Darnell Mooney actually bobbles the ball. This is crazy. He's in the end zone. The ball is across the goal line. But he's bobbling it. So he doesn't have possession of it yet. At least we know that much about a catch. That part's set in stone. He didn't possess it firmly. The ball kind of bounces up in the air. And as he's trying to come down with it again, it's just crazy how it, it happened in a split second. The defense and his momentum carry him back out of the end zone. When he catches the ball, he never goes back across the goal line. So he's in the end zone, but he comes back out. And that's when he catches the ball. I mean, from the category of you can't make this stuff up. So, yeah, that final play, it was extremely close.
5: If you didn't bobble it, it probably would have been a touchdown for real. But, um, I mean, that just goes back. Just finish. Finish the catch. Finish the throw. Finish the run. Finish the blocks. I mean, as an offense, we got to finish. i got to be better. We all got to be better.
0: It's all about execution. You know, it comes down to six or seven plays. And I told the guys, listen, it's, it's, we're right there. We're right there. You just got to keep believing and keep believing in what we're doing, how we're doing it, and uh, we're right there, and we're going to get over that hump right there. I think he took a step forward. I really do. Because, because the, the, the you know, he was uh, the toughness, you know, and the, able to, the ability, the, what's for me, the ability to take the ball and drive it down at the very end to give us a chance to win it. That's, to me, what was the improvement, okay? Was there other moments, you know, that he we need to clean up and offense needs to clean up? Sure but we had the drives down there and if we punch those in the game's a different game, you know, it's good. That's 21 points. Right. So, um, for me, that was really great uh, progress. Inspiring to watch him do that at the very end to take us down to win it. Um, at the very end and, and again, we came up short, but, uh, we got to do a better job next time.
5: Everybody's mad. I mean, nobody's happy about his loss. Um, you know, uh, it's just, we always get told that we're almost there. We're almost there. Like, me personally, I'm tired of being almost there. I'm tired of being, you know, just just this close. Uh, I feel like I've been hearing it for so long now. But um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, all you can do is get back to work. Um, uh, that's the only reaction you have. You live and you learn, and get back next week and you know, keep keep going, keep getting better.
4: Beat up physically, beat up mentally. Probably a little bit of beat up emotionally in there as well for Justin Fields. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Lots of chatter about whether or not he has the goods to be a competent, successful, long-tenured quarterback in the NFL. It's really hard to know, though, right? I mean, this is not the first time. It won't be the last time. But the development of a quarterback, the growth and knowledge and progression of a quarterback, being stunted by constant change around him. Second head coach, second offensive coordinator, second system, second scheme, second voice, second uh, groups of terminology. I mean, all of it's changed. And I know life is not fair and these guys are getting paid a lot of money. Just some perspective. Constant change equals constant losing. And the Bears have been stuck in that cycle for a bit. And, and Justin Fields, he's been in that situation too. I could name a bunch of other people. Maybe Baker Mayfield's been a victim of that as well. Daniel Jones, has he been a victim of that? Let's just say for the sake of argument, these three quarterbacks and others, I mean, Josh Rosen, we could throw out there. He was damaged from the word go when Arizona threw him on the field and he was not ready. He never recovered. We never will really know if Josh Rosen had the goods to be an NFL QB. I mean, he had his opportunities and and he couldn't capitalize on them, but how much was he really never given a fair shake because he was thrown in before he, he was rushed onto the field before he was ready? Anyway, if these guys all had stability, one reason I believe Kenny Pickett's in a great position to succeed a reason I believe Mac Jones is in a great position to succeed. There's stability there with the voices, with the system. And yeah, different coordinators and coaches may change, but if your head coach is the same and the teammates you're playing with are the same, that provides a good foundation and you can move on from the basic stuff. And so it's tough to evaluate Justin Fields. He's obviously very athletic, he's smart, he cares maybe he's getting pounded to a pulp. That doesn't help either. As for Washington, oh man, it's been a tumultuous week. I suppose a win helps. <laughs> I hope a win helps. Great to see Brian Robinson out there with his first start. He's a rookie out of Alabama. Obviously, had a lot of success at Bama, but to get his first. NFL T D is, is awesome. He goes 17 for 60 yards and has that fourth quarter score.
5: And this moment great right now. I'm so excited. Like for the past six weeks, you know, you know, everybody know the story of just how, how things been, you know, just getting back out here on the field was one thing for me. But to be able to come out here and start the game and, you know, kind of lead my team to the victory on the road, you know, it's big time for us, man. It's just, you know, something we could definitely grow on. You know, uh, you know, kind of build up on this momentum. You know, get back and you know, just find new ways to get better. And you know, I'm just going to continue to you know work on myself. You know, come in week in and week out, just you know find ways to improve. You know, help my team.
1: I've said it since he came back. Obviously, the the real life side of it um, was cool to get him back last week, and then huge to get him um, in the end zone this week for his first of, of hopefully many. Um, but especially the the point in the game, critical, crucial point in the ball game that we needed to score, we needed to get in and uh i think we kind of all knew we were gonna we we're gonna give him the rock a couple times down there and uh he got it done for us and uh, i was i was happy for him proud of him and uh, like i said hopefully the first of many
5: i'm just so thankful and uh, appreciative for you know all the guys in that locker room man they you know they would they showed me nothing but love and, you know care throughout that whole time and i can't i can't think do nothing but thank them you know for just helping me you know, kind of get back on my feet, you know, just pushing me every day. I came in the building, you know, you know, just telling me, you know, God got a purpose for me and, you know, just keep going, you know, my time going to come, you know, and I, and I, I stayed true to that. You know, I came in there prepared every day and now look at us.
4: Now look at us. We ended the losing skid and he could be a great addition to that team. Certainly they could use his expertise and use that running Uh, That running game, but 238 yards rushing for the Bears was not enough. (laughs) All right, so we have a lot to get to. Uh, Ron Rivera, and we'll we'll break it up over the rest of the hour. But Ron Rivera, I'm sure he was happy about the win. But man, when the report came up that it was Daniel Snyder's choice to bring in Carson Wentz, not his. This is a Thursday report. He lost it. Now, it's been a tough week for Ron Rivera. Some of that self-inflicted, going back to his answer to a question of what separates the commanders from the rest of the teams in the division, quarterback. I mean, a, a bad moment. Just a really bad moment. We've all had them. I have a lot of respect for him. But, man, he's been stepping in it this week. If you missed my conversation with Ben Standig, who is not only an athletic insider that covers the Commanders, but he's on our D.C. affiliate, the Team 890 and 106.7 The Fan. Really great insight into Ron Rivera and what he meant by that answer and how he's tried to fix it this week. We also talked about Daniel Snyder, and there's another explosive element uh, to the report. But yeah, Ron Rivera took it personally, when he was asked if it was actually Snyder's choice to trade for Carson Wentz and Ron Rivera essentially didn't want him. Honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak
1: my mind for a second. For Honestly, uh, it's been hard. It really has. You lose four games in a row and everybody wants to get you, you know, just get on you. And they've played their asses off. They have. they play played their asses off for everybody. They come out and they show up. They work hard. All right. They don't complain. Okay. They hear all this stuff, and they got to deal with it. I get that, and I respect them for that, because they're resilient. They come back. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I did not want anything to do with Carson. Well, I'm the guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking, when we were at Indianapolis, okay? And that's what pisses me off, because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time.
6: I'm sorry. I'm done.
1: I was just informed that that would be asked in here, um, and I have no idea what, quite frankly, was being reported or to discuss, talked about. Um, you guys know me; I don't, I don't read, I don't see a lot of that sort of stuff, so I can't really have an opinion on it.
4: Mm. So Ron Rivera had a tough week. Carson is definitely taking the high road, and he spoke very highly of Ron Rivera after the game. I hope the win helps. Now it doesn't really help what's happening with Dan Snyder, and I'm not sure that's going away. So we'll we'll work that in before the end of the hour. But as I say, a win is a win, is a win, is a win. It's just that not all wins are created equal. And the last two wins from Thursday Night Football have only required a total of 24 points. Well, okay, one of them went into overtime. We were tortured with bonus football. So clearly, this was not the after hours game of the week. What is the after hours game of the week? Find us on Twitter, A-Law Radio, our show Twitter as well. And then our Facebook page too, you all are, well, you're killing it. You're fired up. I just, I'd like the Ravens and Giants to get a little bit of love. That's all I'm asking. Just a little, just a couple of votes. Throw them a bone, if you will. (laughs) Good morning to you. Happy Friday. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio.
3: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
1: The 0-1. Alvarez punishes one deep to left field. Gets it goodbye. And the is Crawford boxes. Astros lead it. Three to two. Jordan does it again. Who's your daddy? He does it again. This time to left field with a flick of the wrist. Hi, Poppy. Monios delivers line drive base hit in the right field racing to third base peña he's around third and coming home Caught in a plate by hanniger on two hops to slide safe down the third base goes alvarez bregman drives it a run astros with the four to two lead the two two swing and a miss struck him out on a curve ball and that is the ball game the houston astros Go up two games to none in the best-of-five American League Division Series, defeating the Seattle Mariners by a final of 4-2. to two. Astros need one more win to get to the ALCS for a six-straight year.
3: This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
4: You can pitch to him, but he's likely to take a ball that's inches off the plate and smack it out into the outfield or hit it over the wall anyway. And then you could walk him intentionally, but the lineup is so good behind him that that's going to hurt you as well. Both those scenarios played out for the Mariners as they were trying to figure out what to do with your Don Alvarez. How do you solve a problem like your Don? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio, Robert Ford, Steve Sparks from Astros Radio. And if you missed it, I asked Steve Sparks on this show. So after... Guess it would have been after Game One, the break in between Games One and Two, which makes no sense. Uh, so it would have been that middle night, Wednesday night. I asked him uh, about Jordan and what he means to the team, and he came back at me with a comparison to a Hall of Famer that he pitched to during his big league career. Uh, it's on my Twitter, A Law Radio. It's also on our Facebook page. So you can check it out there. Real good insight on Jordan as a player overall. Uh, but also interesting intel on the series. And yes, the Mariners are on the ropes. However, it's not going to be easy to be able to close out a team that's playing its first home postseason game in over two decades and a raucous crowd. We know what the Mariners have done with their backs against the wall already this season. So Dusty Baker knows this will be a doozy.
6: Their fans, I've got people in Seattle who's going to be sold out. First time in 20 years, uh, you know they're scalping tickets. on here and all kind of stuff up there, so it's gonna be it's gonna be loud. And uh, Seattle's a good place to you know to visit. That third win is always the toughest because I've been in the situation a couple times, and so you know you you, you you try to get it over with as soon as you can, you know, so that you you know they don't have much life uh, after that third game. So, but it's gonna be tough.
4: It is. I mean, a, a caged animal, an animal that's back, it's backed against the wall. We know how that works, and it's always a tough out. When you're uh, talking about a team that's got as much life and has been fighting for its playoff life, not just for a couple of months now, but for 21 years. <laughs> it's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. As for your Don Alvarez, man, it's hard to know exactly what to do with him. Scott Service is watching these balls fly.
0: He's in the zone, and he's a super talented player, and, and he's, um, he's made his pay here the last couple days. So, um, again, things happen. He's hot right now. Um, you know, we'll go back to our place and, and go from there.
3: He can run. He can hit. He uh, can hit for power. He can throw, play defense. So, just he's, he's an elite, elite player in this game, and um, super happy to be on his team.
4: Yeah, Alex Bregman, obviously, super happy to be on his team. He's 25 years old. Uh, and he can hit the snot out of the ball, obviously. But his ability to take a pitch that wasn't intended to be hit uh, and to still knock that uh, uh, 371 feet, I think, was the, uh, the, the distance for that home run. Then they try to walk him and somebody else comes through. This is a conversation I had with Steve Sparks, too. It really is astounding that the Astros have flown under the radar. Weirdly enough, no, it's probably a combination of things. They didn't have Aaron Judge going for the home run record. They didn't have Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina riding off into the sunset. Um, they don't, and Justin Verlander had a great year, so he got a bunch of the attention. Um, But it, it was a team that was pretty far out in front of its division for a good portion of the season, kind of like the Dodgers. The last six weeks, you didn't really have to pay attention to what they were doing because they had already locked up the NL West. Um, but it's amazing that a team this successful with the pitching it's got. Do you know the Astros have the best bullpen ERA in the majors? It's not just their starters. Yay, Justin Verlander. But Fromber Valdez is one of the best ground ball pitchers in the majors, and then their bullpen is is dynamic. Um, so they got Lance McCullers going in Game Three today. No, not today. Sorry, Saturday. I mean, baseball makes it so complicated. Uh, But, yeah, that bullpen, when they do have to take out their starters, uh, that bullpen certainly can carry its own weight. Um, They just don't really have a whole lot of weaknesses. Uh, And yet, when was the last time you really thought long and hard about the Astros before the playoffs started? They just haven't had a a whole lot of flash. Um, I'll I'll say this, and Chris Lopresti is here in studio. I know he's a big baseball guy. I actually had this conversation with Marco um, a little bit earlier, and I'd love to get your opinion. It's not like I think a lot of people are rooting for the Astros. So if you don't have a rooting interest, you, you may still be holding it against them. I mean, the deflate gate thing. There's people that will never let go of that with the Patriots, sure. right? So they're going to be called cheaters forever. And that's a that's a bed that they dug. You don't dig a bed. Whatever. You know. Uh, it's Made Friday their morning. own bed. Yeah, they I got made you. It. I got they you. They dug a hole, you know. Um, but if they win the World Series, I feel like people would be really happy for Dusty.
7: Oh, absolutely! Yes, kind of like Brian Snitker last year. Yeah, and because Dusty wasn't a part of that, obviously he was brought in after the fact when AJ Hinch was let go, and a guy who's not one as a manager has done it forever and taken a number of teams deep into the postseason. So from that aspect, for sure, I, I totally agree with that. It's
4: kind of funny to have that split where you want the Astros to suck it, <laughs> but you are really—I mean—you are happy for Dusty. He's been there; he's been so close so many times, and he just loves the game. I a mean, man—he obviously has a life, but. Just this is what he loves. He You can't make him go away. This he is what he want does. To. Yeah.
7: yeah. Absolutely.
4: And restored some credibility to the Astros, though, again, people are not going to let it go. Um, so, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing to think about that dynamic. But they're just they've not got a lot of attention the last couple of months. And they are extremely formidable. I feel like the last time that they were even on the National Consciousness, Chris, was that series or that. I mean, it was, a, it was two sets, but it was like the series in New York, and then they had the one game in Houston, right?
7: They actually played a doubleheader coming out of the All Star right. break they to did. make up a series from the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. So,
4: And the only games the Yankees won were the walk-offs. Yeah. And they really never led at all. And Justin, they nearly got no hit, and and just it was so it was such good pitching. That was probably the last time the Astros were a national conference.
7: That's <laughs> yeah, a great point. I totally agree. Because they just cruised to their division title from there. And you mentioned some. Some of the other milestones and highlights that were happening across baseball—they were very much under the radar. it's an excellent point.
4: Mm. Uh, another question, completely off topic, and then I'll let you do your thing. Oh, I love off topic. Have you heard Draymond talk about eggs? That—that's I just need to know if you've Unfortunately, heard. Unfortunately,
7: I—I ha- have already. Um, I was—I was—I uh, caught one of Marco's updates actually on the local <laughs> side here in New York, in which he played that, and I was kind of, what is going on here? Uh, yeah.
4: Well, I mean, you don't want to laugh. He's yeah, like that have. miscreant. You have to. But he's talking about eggs. Right. Like, it just, it's so surreal. So, for those of you who haven't heard Draymond talk about eggs, spoiler alert, the man's not going to be publicly remorseful. If that's what you're looking for, that's not Draymond. He wants to stick it where the sun don't shine. He's not interested in being remorseful publicly. Um, obviously, the team has taken him back, but the man worked eggs into a conversation, which I thought was fairly brilliant, and you're going to laugh in spite of yourself. Maybe. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
3: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
7: Second and goal. Shotgun Robinson to the right of Wentz. Looking for the lead. Handoff. off Robinson cuts it up the middle. They push the pile. In for a touchdown!
1: It's a scoring bonanza! And the
4: Commanders take the lead here in the fourth quarter.
3: Here's Amy Lawrence.
4: What I tell you about sarcasm, it's my love language. I do appreciate that from Ian Eagle on Westwood One. It's a scoring bonanza! At that point, it was the second touchdown of the game, and the... Only touchdown for the Commanders, but it was the first touchdown of Brian Robinson's NFL career, and to come on the heels of what he's been through over the last two months, which was recovering from gunshot wounds to his leg, uh, yeah, he definitely deserved a spot there on the Thursday night football post-game show on Amazon.
5: You know, staying determined for you know what I believe in, you know, uh, you know my biggest goal is you know you know find my way back on the football field, you know. Uh, You know, I was looking for any opportunity, you know, that came my way. And, you know, I just, you know, I was ready for it. You know, I prepared for a weekend, a week out. You know, so, you know, every day, you know, I came in and prepared, you know, to get myself back healthy. You know, so I can, you know, have an opportunity like this.
4: I'm going to assume the fans behind Brian Robinson didn't realize he was talking about getting shot and recovering. Although, what else would he be talking about sitting there on the TNF set? Uh, They got organized really quickly, though, didn't they? All of a sudden got super loud. Now, there's a chance. I didn't see it because I was already on my way to work. uh, But I suppose there's a chance that someone who was with TNF, a crew member, put a microphone right in front of them because it got real loud, real fast. Those Commanders fans chanting, sell the team, sell the team. And the reason they're doing it again Uh, And this is in Chicago, actually, is because of the explosive report. Or the reason why it's top of mind again is the explosive report that came out uh, on Thursday. And this was the report from ESPN. It was actually addressed by Al Michaels on the broadcast in which he added his opinion that Dan Snyder should sell the team. Even if the NFL doesn't force him to or the other owners don't vote to force him out. Which can happen. It's obvious that they are reluctant to do so, and they don't want to ever find themselves in that position. Got to be really careful who you cross when you're talking about powerful rich men. And Daniel Snyder now wants to let everybody know that they can't screw with him. That's a paraphrase of, of a word or a, a, a sentence that was quoted in this report. But according to ESPN, he recently told a close associate that he's been gathering secrets, hoarding secrets enough to, quote unquote, blow up several NFL owners, the league office itself and even the commissioner. Now, the commissioner is the one who was on the Zoom call this summer answering questions from congressmen and women about the Snyder investigation, about the, the commander's workplace culture about what happened to the investigation and whether or not he's, he's been made to pay for the egregious atmosphere and, and the complaints that were leveled at him from dozens of people. And what Roger Goodell said is, I can't force him to sell the team, which is true. The owners can take a vote. The other owners can take a vote. And that could happen. But he, according to Dan... All the owners hate each other. And the reason that they work together is because that's how they make money. It's interesting. One veteran owner, a different veteran owner was quoted as saying it's not true that we all hate each other. Quote, all the owners hate Dan. So you got to take everything with a grain of salt. But I believe that if Dan Snyder was ever backed into a corner and he thought they were going to force him to sell his team, that he would. He would spill it. If, if this report is true, and I, I don't know if it is or isn't, but if this report is true, I have no doubt that he would want to take everybody else down with him. Now, a team, spokesmer- a team spokesperson did say it's simply ridiculous and utterly false that Snyder said any of those things obviously, but I, I wanted to make sure that you knew they were the uh, denial was out there from the team. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're asking you the After Hours game of the week. Uh, even if it wasn't on Thursday night, we weren't going to put Commanders and Bears in there, but somebody had to win, and at least the Commanders got a victory after yet another tumultuous week, a, a week of just cr- crazy nonstop drama. Our Commanders insider who joined us, uh, he was still in Chicago. And he'd covered a, he'd covered the game, and uh, he said, "This is just how they operate. It, there's th- this is just how it is. He's almost numb to it now. It's all consuming." He said, "But this is pretty much standard operating procedure. If you cover the Commanders, it's always like this. So, yeah, this game wasn't going to be part of it. I'm glad for Ron Rivera and the Commanders that they got the win. But we've given you three options for game of the week on our show, Twitter, after Hours CBS, or on my Twitter." A Radio. We'll see how much roughing the passer is uh, a conversation. I I think it'll kind of be like the two a conversation of Week Five with all the various shows <laughs> like ours. Uh, but it's not the only thing happening. I mean, there's a lot still um, that we're going to see play out in the field as teams are still looking for consistency. Right, very few teams are playing a full sixty game uh, sixty minutes per game at the level at which they want. There's still a lot of that up and down, up and down roller coaster ride, which is why it's the best reality show on TV. So please vote on either Twitter or our Facebook page.
3: Come on! Come on! Click! Boom! As we wrap up the week, we contemplate the mysteries of the universe.
4: Boom! I just laid down the A-law. Boom!
3: The best highlights.
4: Falls running up and down the line. It's
1: a direct snap, and it goes to Clement, who gives it off to Burton, the tight end, who then throws in the end zone. Touchdown! Falls caught the ball! And your fire... Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate it. the greatest sports show in America.
3: Boom! After Hours presents the Boom Moment of the Week. Here's Amy Lawrence. Boom! boom. The 0-1. And Alvarez belts
1: it. Deep to right field. Instant by. Unbelievable. The Astros, the walk-off win. Yoran Alvarez, a walk-off three-run over. And the Astros Done the Mariners in game one of the division series. Incredible. The house of horrors for the <laughs> Seattle Mariners continues as they mob Alvarez by home plate. A miraculous comeback for Houston. Astros win it 8-7. to seven. The 0-1. Alvarez punishes one deep to left field. Kiss it goodbye, and the Landis Crawford boxes. Astros lead it three to two. Yordan does it again. Who's your daddy? He does it again. <laughs> oh my gosh! This time to left field with a flick of the wrist. Hi, Poppy.
6: I mean, he's a big boy, and uh, I call him Grande. <laughs> and uh, you know, he comes up big, and. Uh, you know we love having him at the plate. You know he likes to be in the big moment, and uh, uh, his concentration and and discipline is uh, is way ahead of his of his years. And uh, yeah, we just love having him.
4: We cheated a little bit. It's. A pair of boom moments, but man, Jordan Alvarez stealing the stage in the American League and really in the Major League Baseball playoffs at this point with those two extremely loud home runs. And when I talked to Steve Sparks, he said Robert Ford stood up. Well, they were both obviously kind of hoping that Jordan would get to the plate in the ninth inning against the Mariners in the opener. And he said when he hit that home run, it was a no-doubter off the bat. Robert Ford stood up. He was making the initial call. They're both screaming. The, his chair goes flying. Uh, it, it knocks into a refrigerator behind them. Uh, then, obviously, Steve Sparks is waiting until you can hear the crowd. It's nearly 42,000 people. It's insane. <laughs> and just fun to hear them or hear him talk about what was happening with them in the booth there. And if you missed that conversation, as I say, it's on our podcast, as will this show be. After Hours, amylawrence.com. I promised Draymond talking about eggs. I'm not telling you that you're going to like him anymore or less. Uh, You've probably already made up your mind. But the fact that Draymond worked eggs into a conversation, so he was asked a a lot of things, but among the questions he was asked on Thursday when he returned to practice with the Warriors, so what did you do while you were away from the team?
5: It was great. I spent a lot of time with my kids. Um, Made eggs with my son taught him how to cook. I cook really good eggs. Oh, man. So I taught him how to cook some eggs. It was great. Spent a lot of time with my kids, but also a lot of time dealing with this stuff, too.
4: At least he mentioned that part. At least he threw that in as an aside at the very end. I make really great eggs. Yeah, you're not going to get public remorse from Draymond. You're just going to get the defiant Dre that he is all the time. He can be playful now and then, but... This is not a guy who believes he should have to apologize to anybody else except for the guys in the building. And I agree with that. I don't think he owes us an apology. But considering that his own coach said that this is the biggest crisis he's ever dealt with as a member of the Warriors, I wonder wonder how the eggs comment went over with the team. Sometimes I wish he would think a little more about his team to say it's a massive weekend in sport from nba preseason doesn't matter to the start of the nhl of course underway to college football to nfl to baseball we're back sunday night it's after hours cbs sports radio
2: boom (sighs) spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact